The Immaculate Podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Steelers ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I'm just looking at tickets for Thursday night's game in Cleveland for the Steelers starting at $66. So make the drive, get your tickets on game time, and head out to that big Thursday night game. You can use the easy two-tap checkout. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. You're listening to the Immaculate Podcast with Tim McMaster and Ed Bichette. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the Immaculate Podcast. They were wearing their throwback uniforms and the Steelers kind of played a throwback football game led by the defense, 17-12 win over the Rams. And if the playoffs started tomorrow, the Steelers would be in as the sixth seed, the second wildcard spot in the AFC. Uh, Tim McMaster here along with Ed Bouchette here every Monday as usual. And Ed, what a difference a month makes. This team was lost a month ago and now they're in a playoff spot. Yeah, we were all getting ready to write their obituaries a month ago, and uh, here the Lazarus is back, and uh, you know the Phoenix, whatever you want to call, it, <laughs> rises. Um, I've seen it before. I hate to say it, uh, I've been around long enough. I've seen this before. I didn't know it was going to happen this time because of many circumstances, including the loss of Ben Roethlisberger, but uh, that defense. And I'm not going to crow about it, but I wrote in the summer this defense is going to be much, much better. Uh, is really coming together. Uh, maybe not coming together. Maybe they just are together now. Yeah, they are a talented group. We're certainly going to get right into that and, and how how effective this defense was on a day when points were obviously very hard to come by for both teams. Uh, but when you think about how this game started, Ed, it really couldn't have started any worse for the Steelers. First possession Bad snap, Rams run it in, and it's seven to nothing in the first minute of the game. And you're thinking, oh, against a Rams team like this, you can't afford to make mistakes like that. The Steelers were able to bounce back, and and that touchdown came from the defense. And the Steelers defense didn't give up any points. It didn't give up any touchdowns. No, they gave up three points total, Tim. Um, remarkable, uh, remarkable because of that wasn't the Cincinnati Bengals out there. Uh, this was the defending NFL, NFC champs, and uh, with a, at least last year was a high-powered offense. Now, they've had a few problems. Their line is all beat up and a young, and, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks, a good wide receiver, did not play. But still, for them to hold that offense to three points, you know, it's the first time uh, since last December the Rams have not scored a touchdown on, an, on offense. And you're right, when I saw that snap go over Mason's head, I went, oh, it's going to be one of those days because I predicted low scoring. Uh, I wasn't the only one. Um, and when you give up seven that quick, uh, you're going, well, how are you going to overcome this? They did. Yeah, they certainly did. And you mentioned uh, the struggles for the Rams offense. Goff, 22 of 41, 243 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown. Uh, he had two interceptions. The Steelers 
kept him from connecting with Cooper Cup all day. And Cup's really his his go-to guy, especially on third downs. And speaking of third downs, how about the Rams being one for 14 <laughs> on third downs? I mean, it wasn't just that the Steelers made the big plays, but those you know those important drive stoppers throughout the game all day long, they were able to, to get the Rams off the field. Yeah, there's a reason they have a stat for that uh, the, uh, in the uh, when they hand out all the stats, that's that's one of the important ones. Uh, if you don't make it a third down, you're off the field. You know, they talk about that and talk about that. If you can keep things rolling and you build up some momentum by converting some third downs, hey, look, converting first and second downs is good too. But uh, if you can keep things going like that, you, you you get a momentum built up, and the Rams just never could get that going. And um, uh, you know, credit that Steelers defense. I, I've covered a lot of, as you know, Steelers games through the years. That was one of the more remarkable defensive performances I've seen. Yeah, and they forced the turnovers, which has obviously been a thing throughout this season, four of them. And there was plenty of, collectively, it was a great defensive effort, but there was also plenty of individual performances along the way. So I wanted to touch on a few of those, and we have to start as it seems like we always do with Minka Fitzpatrick. He returns the fumble for a touchdown for 43 yards. Then he has the interception late that kind of sealed the game. He's always in the right place at the right time. And, you know, turnovers, you know, sometimes secondary players, like uh, safeties, cornerbacks, you can go through long stretches where there are, the turnovers just don't come your way. Ed, whether whether the quarterback's not throwing your way or you're not in the position. But for Fitzpatrick, they are just coming in waves right now this season. Yeah, and, you know, as everyone in America knows, I, I had a knee-jerk reaction to that trade that that it was dumb. That was the word I used when they gave up a first-round pick. Well, I'm the dumb one because that was uh, that, that'll go down as, as if he keeps it up. You know, we have a we do have a short window here that, where we've seen him. But if he keeps this up, it'll go down as one of the great trades in their history. Um, I wrote a story on him, Tim, last Thursday, Friday, um, about how they have changed their defensive play to fit him. You know, the safeties in Pittsburgh's defense for a long time have had to be interchangeable. As Keith Butler told me back in August, he's their defensive coordinator. We don't have a free safety. We don't have a strong safety. We have a safety. We move them around because we don't want the quarterback to be able to key on those safeties. Um, but when Minka came, he came from the Dolphins where he was unhappy how they used him in the box, you know, a la strong safety, at cornerback. They used him only 22% of the time at free safety, which is the deep safety, Tim. Um, since coming to the Steelers, and this doesn't count uh, Sunday's game. They've used them 85% of the time at the deep safety. So they've adjusted how they play, and it looks like the adjustment has been gone very well. Yeah, and you had a good story about that last week. Check that one out on The Athletic, just the way that he has affected this defense and, and certainly what they do. But he's certainly also not the only star on this defense. Uh, T.J. Watt, just another T.J. Watt performance on Sunday. A couple of sacks, uh, tackle for a loss, four solo tackles, and he and Bud Dupree again bringing it from those outside linebacker slots. Yes, and they're both getting better. It's hard. You know, T.J. Watt is just uh... – he, he fits right in that mold of some of their great uh, outside linebackers, Tim. 
Um, you go back to Greg Lloyd when they had Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green. Actually, this is kind of similar with these two guys, the way they're feeding off each other, that those guys did 25 years ago. Um, and then, you know, Joey Porter, Lamar Woodley, James Harrison, um, uh, Clark Hagens. Uh, you know, it just, they had some really good outside linebackers. And um, uh, these two, especially TJ, now it's been, Dupree's having a really good season, but it's been his only one so far. So you want to see if he can keep it up. But the way he's playing, I think he will. And then you think the inside linebackers stepping up too. And Mark Barron playing against his old team. And, you know, we talked about this when Fitzpatrick faced the, the Dolphins and he didn't really say anything about it, but you could tell he was fired up to play his old team. Mark Barron, 10 tackles against the Rams. And, and I mean, that's an impressive performance from Barron. Then you go inside a little bit and Cam Hayward on the line. Uh, Kaboli called it his best performance of his career. I don't know if you agree with that, Ed, but but Hayward, three quarterback hits, a sack, uh, a tackle for a loss. It was just around the entire defense, everybody stepped up and made big plays. Yeah, I always agree with what Mark has to say, <laughs> Tim. <laughs> that's um, why you guys get along so well. Yeah. It, 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 you could point to, uh, was that Minka's best game you know, of his too, career? Yeah. Of course, it's a little a little shorter. Was that T.J. Watt's best game of his career? Well, maybe not. But they all were playing at a high level. Uh, and you, it's funny, you just brought back a memory. Um, back in 96, the Steelers uh, traded for this running back uh, with the Rams. His name was Jerome Bettis. And Jerome was just ticked off at the Rams of how they used him the previous year or misused him, I should say, when a new coach came in and they traded him to Pittsburgh. And the Rams happened to come to three, then Three River Stadium that year, and Bettis just tore them apart. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's something a little extra there. And you remember Minka had, what, he, he had two interceptions against the Dolphins to help turn that game around, his old team. There's something a little extra, I think, when these guys go against their former team, especially if there's a little reason they're not with that team anymore. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're you know playing against former friend or friends as well. I think that plays into it wanting to to play well against guys you know and and all of that stuff. Everybody's kind of been there. All right. So before we get to the offense, which was not as good <laughs> as the defense. Uh, one note on special teams: they had the fake punt, did the Rams. Uh, and Trey Edmonds comes through with the interception, and Trey Edmonds playing on, on special teams, obviously, for the punt coverage, but he comes up with the interception, and he gets into the history books. He's the first NFL running back to record an interception since 1988, which is kind of funny, Ed, and I'm sure the NFL, um, whoever sends out the alerts at the NFL was on high alert because this comes <laughs> after... They mis made a mistake a week ago and said Terrell Edmonds had had gone for that long run when it was Trey, and now on the defensive side of the ball, Trey, the running back, gets the interception. Just uh, fun for the NFL social media department, certainly, but um, but also a big play for the special teams. And fake punts are always interesting, whether it's it's an obvious one where the the punter moves up like he did for the Rams, or if it's more of a surprise. But the Steelers. The reaction to the fake punt and just the the play in general, I was very impressed by. There was no panic; it was calm. They got a rush on, and they come through with the interception. You know, I was a little surprised also that they had their punt return team on at that point. Um, a lot of times, when maybe they had no idea they were going to 
even try it, but they did. They knew that uh, this this punter can throw the ball. Um, a lot of times they'll put their defense out there as the punt return team and just have you know whoever's going to return the punt deep um, to avoid that kind of thing. But these special teamers played it perfectly. Uh, they saw what was happening. Um, they were drilled uh, all week on that possibility by Danny Smith, the special teams coach, and uh, they, they were well prepared. Um, uh, it, it just, uh, I don't know why sometimes these teams don't just on fourth and one if you want to make the one yard and you have that kind of offense you supposedly have, just put your guys out there to make the yard or try. Yeah, I, I agree. Why get, you know, why try to do it tricky and, and special like that? Just go out there and get the yard. Uh, they can do it through the air, through the running game. Although the way the Steelers' defense was playing, maybe that was kind of in the mind of, of McVay that, that hey, we're not getting anything maybe. against these guys. I don't know. Right. They were in the in his head mentally. But, all right, let's switch over to the offense now, which um, it, it was a struggle, Ed, but they did enough. They were actually outgained by the Rams. Overall, it was 306 yards for the Rams to 273 for the Steelers. They did nothing in the run game, but let's start with the passing game. Mason Rudolph, we knew this was going to be a challenging game for Rudolph, going up against a defensive front like the Rams have, and he was going to face pressure. Uh, Jalen Ramsey out there roaming in the secondary. Um, just a, an overall challenge. And you look at the numbers for Rudolph, 22 of 38, 242, and a touchdown. He didn't throw an interception, Ed. That, I think, is is key number one, that Rudolph didn't turn the ball over. Mason Rudolph is, uh, I've said this I don't know how many times, is just growing and developing right as this season goes on. Um, you know, this is the third straight game, Tim, whether his fault, their fault, the defense's fault, but he's been behind early on. Right. You know, uh, what was it? Miami was 14 nothing, and then the Colts, I'm trying to remember, 10-3, I think. Um, you know, and he's had to bring them back. And he has, without their star running back, their Pro Bowl running back, and James Conner. With kids who are on the street, I want to say Trey Edmonds was on the street. He was on the practice squad. But that other kid, I can't even remember his name. He's got a hyphenated name. Uh, He came in and and, and ran a few times, number 40. Um, So I I just, um, uh, what Mason has had to deal with, and then all the drops, there were three or four drops drop passes and they weren't just off the hands these were right there um that didn't help him at all and so uh, I, I you know it's hard to say the offense did a that good a job when they scored so few points and had so few yards but i think mason rudolph uh held up pretty well yesterday yeah he played well maybe not everybody around him tony brooks james is the guy you're looking for six Thank carries <laughs> for 11 yards uh for tony brooks james we'll see if he continues on as far as with these injuries and everything or or if he's uh gonna be a one and done type guy but look at the receivers you mentioned the drops which were extremely frustrating i mean help your quarterback out a little bit guys and then we knew juju was going to have a hard time with with ramsey on him he ended up having four catches for 33 yards um james washington six catches 90 yards and a spectacular touchdown ed and i was gonna say oh he's rounding the corner here he goes this is the james washington we wanted to see but then the fumble was brutal after a long run just unacceptable the way he was carrying the ball and it kind of takes the shine off an otherwise nice performance from Washington. 
and the fact they won, I think, will be instructive for him. I'm sure he will see that tape of uh, the ball being sliced out of his arms. Yeah. You know, he's carrying it in the wrong arm toward the defender. Uh, it was, it was, it, it made it, you know, uh, an inviting target for him to slap it out, and he did. Uh, so I'm sure James will learn from that. And he, this week at practice, although. They're not going to have a lot of practice time this week, Tim, because of the Thursday night game. Uh, he'll be practicing switching that ball in his hands. Yeah, get it over, get it away from the defender, and, and hang on. Because otherwise, it was a nice job by him. Deontay Johnson, four catches, 64 yards. He looked pretty good as well, except he was one of the guys with the with the drops that were just so frustrating. Um, you move to the— Tim, I will tell you yeah. one thing. Uh, and Vance McDonald had a drop too, yeah. but um, he broke up an interception. Vance McDonald did, and it, it, nicely done. Uh, the ball was going right. Uh, the, the, the defensive back was going to intercept it, and Vance reached over with he couldn't catch it, but he reached over with his left arm and batted it away. So you got to give him a little props on that, even though he dropped another one. We will give him credit for that one. So on the running side, the leader was Jalen Samuels, fourteen carries, twenty nine yards. Um, the Is that really a leader? <laughs> <laughs> Statistically speaking. The, uh, Two point what? The offensive line, Ed, um, we knew they would be up against it here. They were already down Foster. They they moved people around a little bit to try to figure out how to handle Aaron Donald and his homecoming to Pittsburgh. And to be honest, Donald's stats don't jump off. Half a sack, a couple of tackles for a loss, three solo tackles. He did create the safety as well, but he... He was a factor for sure, the way he always is. But it was a struggle for that offensive line. How much of that is just the Rams are that good, and how much is do you have any concerns um, with this offensive line without Foster being able to compete at the level that they normally are? Well, the Rams are that good. Yeah, I mean, let's let's face it, that that front seven is pretty good, and you didn't need stats to know how well Aaron Donald played yesterday. You just had to watch the game. Um, having said that, I you know. I never tell these guys how to do their jobs because they know it so much better. Um, but I was surprised that they moved Filer to left guard and started Chooks at right tackle because um, uh, because they had a you know they had, they had an injury they had to do that. Um, I I've always been told you you don't want to weaken two positions to to try and save one. Uh, and that's kind of what they did. They could have kept Filer at right tackle. And, uh, you know, for Ramon Foster, they could have just done what they've done in the past. B.J. Finney at left guard. I know they wanted to get a bigger guy in there. But you're. And when I say weakening, um, you know, I don't want to downplay uh, anybody's play. But Filer's played tackle all year. Uh, he hasn't played much guard, even though that was supposed to be his position. You have B.J. Finney who filled in nicely for Pouncey the previous game. I'm I'm sorry for Foster the previous game, um, and then you keep so you keep Feeler at the, uh, his normal spot. Filer, I'm sorry, at his normal spot at right tackle, and you just sub in at left guard and go. Uh, I, it's it that did surprise me a little bit. 
Yeah, and and it was a, a struggle, and they got to them, and that's obviously an offensive line unit with tons of pride, and I'm sure they're they're frustrated by the performance. Um, as far as the safety goes, Ed, when you look at that play, was there anything Rudolph could have done to avoid that to get rid of it? it seemed like it just came on him so quick. Yeah, um, maybe not have the offense call that play. <laughs> not the play uh, action Mike, on the goal line. No. Yeah, Mike Tomlin uh, admitted that uh, he he called that play. He you know, told Randy Feetner to call it. And, um, uh, he, uh, I don't know. I, that, that was a bad play call. You don't do that. You, you do that at the other team's one, right. not your own. Yeah. And Tomlin admitted to it. He kind of, he t- fully took it after the game that, uh, that one was on me. And overall Tomlin, I think we got to give credit to for, uh, a solid performance for the coaching staff. That was maybe the one glaring mistake there. Um, all right. So you look at this team now, um, big picture, they're in the playoffs if they started today, that sixth spot. And this was a game that I know we talked about on, on Friday's podcast that they didn't necessarily have to win this one. If they lost to the Rams, there was still a path to get into the playoffs because the schedule gets a lot easier here coming up too with Cleveland. They get the Bengals again, you know, that, that sort of thing. But that that said, getting this one, Ed, is huge because now you're five and four, and they obviously got some help with the Dolphins beating the Colts. Um, the Bills lose to the Browns, and suddenly they're right there, not only in the sixth spot, but they're one game back of the Bills for that fifth, that top uh, wild card playoff spot. I mean, they're, it's weird to say, but they're in a lot of ways sitting pretty. I mean, if you had to took all those teams that are in contention for the wild card spot and kind of lay them out, look at what they have coming up and, and what they've been through. I would say the Steelers are maybe in the best position. Yeah, but you, you have to watch that because um, there's so much football to be played, oh, yeah. Tim. There's so many, so many injuries to be had by so many teams. We've seen it all year uh, with this team, with others, you know, the Colts, we saw it here. They, we lost their backup quarterback and had to go to the third one during the game. Um, it's just it's a it's a long grind, and I know why people are saying if the playoffs started today, the Steelers would be in it. But they don't start today, uh, and but I understand because they've come back from so far that it is a uh, it, it is a significant spot when you can say they're now the number six seed. But that that has nothing to do with anything. All you have to do. Let's look at the Colts before they played the Steelers. They were sitting pretty in the wild card. Yep. Um, uh, Buffalo is still, you know, what they were. The, they would be the fifth seed, but it, I would say the arrow's pointing down with Buffalo, not up. Um, so it, it, there's a lot, a lot of things can happen yet, but it is significant because of how far they've come. And they have the tiebreaker with the Colts because they obviously beat them head to head. They have the tiebreaker with the Raiders right now based on conference. Uh, record uh, or winning percentage within the conference. So that's why they sit there in the number six spot. Um, and that sets up a Thursday night game, Ed, where suddenly the the Browns are maybe playing a little better. And this is a big game coming up. Uh, Baker Mayfield on Sunday was pretty good for the second straight game, 26-38, two touchdowns um, in that big win they had over the Bills. Um, and suddenly now you have Steelers, Browns, NFC North, rivalry type game Thursday night football and even though the record for the Browns still isn't great at three and six it feels like they're playing better than that right now 
Yeah, and they're not out of it. You know, they're 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 where the Steelers were a couple weeks ago. Only there's not as many games uh, for them to make up. You know, they could go. Uh, I don't see it happening. They could go ten and six. They could go nine and seven. Uh, who knows? Maybe eight and eight would would still be a wild card contender. But um, you know, the Browns are were overhyped at the beginning of the season. Um, probably unfairly so knowing where they came from but they contributed to that as well and now they um now they have to put up or shut up really they play the Steelers two of the next three games and um it, it's time for them to to show hey we're you know we're legit or we're the same old Browns yeah and that's a big reason why people are saying they're not out of it is because of those two games against the Steelers and a chance to pick up ground on one of the teams they're chasing uh, quickly, it's certainly going to be interesting, and, and it's prime time now. How does the Steelers team um, on a short week? You know, you've been covering this team for a long time, and Mike Tomlin's been there dealing with these short weeks for a long time. Um, what is his approach to the getting ready for a, a Thursday night game coming off a, a four o'clock Sunday game? Yeah, they really won't practice hardly at all, Jim. Um, they'll go out there and basically have walkthroughs. Um, you know, you, 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 he, Mike has been pretty good at that. Um, they will have probably the only, quote, practice of the week will be tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. And, um, you know, Wednesday they leave and go to Cleveland. They'll have a little walkthrough before they do. There won't be much. There'll be absolutely no pads this week. Um, so it's just, you know, trying to take care. And, you know, the Browns probably will be doing the same thing. You know, you can't you can't recover that quickly. You just can't in this game. Um, so you, you just try and ease your way into the next game. And, uh, you know, those Thursday night games have been, been tough for everybody. But, uh, you know, that's everybody has to play one. Yeah, and they tend to lead to um, ugly football a lot of times. But I guess coming off what we saw on Sunday, you can't really get any uglier, Ed, the, <laughs> the way they played. Yeah, it could. Um, <laughs> it could get uglier for uh, those listening for the most part if the Steelers lose. Oh, that's true. Fair enough. Um, all right, so another Steelers win means more game balls to hand out, as always. Offense, defense, special teams. We'll each hand them out, Ed. You get to go first. Um, let's start on the offense. Who's your game ball going to? <laughs> Can I give it to I Mason know, right? Rudolph again? Yeah, you sure can, um, and I might too. You know, I'm, I'm going to do the obvious. Uh, I'm not going to try and spread this around and, and, you know, pick someone else when when he's the guy who, you know, uh, as I mentioned before, he fell behind, and he, I thought he made a lot of good passes, uh, uh, not so much on the safety, but I don't think that was should have been on him anyway. So I'm going to go with Mason. I'm going to give mine to Mason, too, just because, let's be honest, there's not really anybody else there. Um, the, you can't even like try to be creative and pick an offensive lineman <laughs> because the offensive line no, wasn't right. good. So, so Mason Rudolph gets both of our game balls this week. I think it's the first time. I usually try to go with somebody different, but this time around, it's just, it is what it is. All right, defense, a lot more players to pick from. Who do you like on the defense? Uh, i got to go with Minka again. Um, no, you know what? I'm going to go with Joe Hayden. Uh, even though he didn't score a touchdown, he he tipped that one away. Uh, I, I thought Joe had a lot of passes defensed, and um, you know you could really give it to everybody. Um, it, it, people out there are saying, "How come you can't give it to Minka? Why didn't you give it to 
Cam Hay, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Well, you could, you know, but let's give Joe one. Yeah, and I was thinking about going with Barron because he did what he did against his former team, but I'll give mine to Minka because of the, the fumble recover for the touchdown, the interception, and just the impact he's had on this defense as a whole. So Minka will still get a game ball. And then special teams are usually tough, Ed, but there's there's a few interesting candidates here. Who do you like on special teams? Um, you know, the, the, the thing is to go with Trey Edmonds probably because of uh, – his interception, and that's a good story. I'm going to go with the boring Jordan Berry. I thought Berry had a good day punting, and um, you know that uh, that helped him out. So I, I'm 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 going to go with Jordan Berry. And he was busy, maybe the busiest guy on the field. Berry nine punts. 383 yards total yardage. He had a 59-yarder in there, four of them inside the 20. So, yeah, in a game where field position and backing up that Rams offense was huge, Barry came through big time for the Steelers. So I like that pick. I'll, I'll give mine to Edmonds just so um, the guy that made a little bit of history with the interception on that, that fake punt gets some credit too. So I'll give mine to Edmonds. All right, good stuff, Ed. It's going to be – Certainly going to be interesting in Cleveland on Thursday night, and uh, we'll have a recap of that one actually on Friday uh, with Mark in our bonus episode of the week, which will only be available on the uh, the Athletic for subscribers. And if you'd like to subscribe to The Athletic, uh, certainly you can. You can get 40% off. Go to theathletic.com slash the Immaculate Podcast for 40% off. Also, give us a five-star rating. It helps us kind of move up as far as uh, being more available for people. So certainly leave us a review. Give us five stars as well. And hey, we here at The Athletic, thank you for subscribing and want to tell you about one of our new shows, The Lead. Every weekday morning, The Lead will bring you one big story from the Athletic's all-star team of local and national sports reporters to make you're the most knowledgeable sports fan in the room. The lead is hosted by sports writer Kavitha Davidson and PBD award-winning journalist Anders Kelto, who will take you behind the scenes with exclusive interviews you won't hear anywhere else. So be sure to check out the lead right here on The Athletic. Follow Ed on Twitter, at Ed Bouchette. Thanks to Marissa Morris, our producer as well. We will talk to you again on Friday with a full recap of that Browns game.